day and welcome to the Aussie Pastor Live right here on Faith FM. G'day, my name's Lloyd Grolleman. I'm the Aussie Pastor. Welcome to our program today from Northwest Sydney where it's a pretty okay day. It's a beautiful day. Who was that talking from? G'day, there? listeners. My name's Hunty, and it's great to be with you this afternoon. Ah, jumping in <laughs> early today, huh? I'm the one of the two that's awake. <laughs> He's saying that because I was supposed to be here at 2 o'clock this afternoon to get ready for the program, and I had lunch, and I don't, well, I try not to do this too much, and I just lay down, Hunty, and I was preparing for this program, Yes, and I just nodded off and... <laughs> I woke up with about 30 minutes to go before the program And I'm still trying to wake up a little bit <laughs> But I'm glad to be here, are oh, you? I'm totally Hey, um, it's a big day for the people uh, out west at Forbes I was uh, on uh, my Facebook page this morning and Two of my friends out there, Tom and Charlene They own a house out there And uh, they they, uh, they had, you know how you can put live Facebook on Yep And um, they had live Facebook on and they were putting sandbags out the front uh, of their house because they're expecting yeah. the river at Forbes to flood sometime this afternoon tonight. Oh, dear. And uh, as it did in 2016, go through all their homes. So pretty yeah. hard, yeah. pretty hard day. And so if you're listening to us from Forbes or out that way, we're thinking of you today, praying for you, and we hope you get through it and things go well. Hmm. Good program today, Hunter. We have a great program lined up today. We have got... Three special guests. Today. Actually, they are special guests, aren't they? They are. First yeah. one, Nicholas Vaganis. Yes. He's an old mate of yours from school. He's an old mate way back to school days in the 70s and the 80s. Yeah, that, now you Now I'm dating myself, aren't I? I think Hunty was born somewhere around 1951. I'm, I'm, older, our, I'm older than dirt. For our listeners. About 51, weren't you? 1951. 60s, <laughs> mid-60s, come on. <laughs> okay, um, so we've got Nicholas yep. Vaganis yep. and Rodney, regular, regular Rodney Harold. Sylvester. Now, Rodney Sylvester, what an amazing man. He is. When you hear his story, well, I hope when you hear his story like me, you'll be amazed. And Harold, as you just said, Harold Harker. He's a legend. Yeah, he's coming on. He's going to talk to us today about Katerina Von, and I can't remember what comes after Von. Who's, whose wife is she? Martin Luther. Martin Luther, yeah. So it's a good program. Now, Hunty, before you uh, uh, click before on Before I move he's, on. He's ready to go, and he's, <laughs> he's uh, jumping the gun this, this afternoon. Um, ask the Aussie pastor. Ask the Aussie pastor, indeed. We would love to hear from you. If you've got any questions for Pastor Lloyd, it's not too late. You can text them to us on 0488-880-851 or you can email them to us and the email address is info at aussiepastor.com. It's, it's so much harder than television, isn't it? Because when we do it on television, we can put the... Put the number on the screen. Yes. That's right. Number and the address on the screen. We just can't do that here. So one Correct. more time, Hunty. And, and nice and slow okay. for, for us older ones. For the older ones. All right. If you'd like to text us or SMS us your questions, and we'd love to hear from you, it's 0488 or you can email them across to us, and the email address is info at aussiepastor.com. And we're hoping, above all else today, in this program, that you get a little glimpse of how wonderful and how beautiful Jesus is. You're listening to the Aussie Pastor, here on Faith FM. Three uh I wouldn't call them bad news stories, but three stories just from the normal news and one good news. The good news story is a beauty. 
I'm looking forward to the good news one, Hunty. Yep. Do you know what it is? Without remind without, me. Ah, he doesn't. <laughs> um, stuck in. Let's look at the first one. Yep. A couple with two kids, and I think they're in some sort of a four wheel drive truck. Yes, four wheel drive converted truck to motorhome. Do you know what sort of truck it was? No. No. Yeah, it was in the it was in the story, but I didn't pick it. I can't remember what it was, but it's a special um, converted four wheel drive truck. They're going around Correct. Australia and they're on their way home. That's right. I think they live in Western Australia and they got stuck in the Simpson Desert. Mm. They actually um, got bogged because it rained out there and it rarely rains. Very rarely rains. Yep, and a lot of rain hit them, and unfortunately they were unable to go forwards or backwards, so they became stuck. But they've got a satellite. No, they didn't. No, they had an EPIRB. They're to be commended because they travel with an EPIRB, which is a um, a GPS satellite tracker. A lot of people who have got boats use those. They're a device that you can activate which sends a GPS position-locating signal to a satellite, which then beams to Canberra, to our rescue facility in, in Canberra, that says, hey, I'm here and I'm in trouble, which was really good because that allowed a surveillance plane to fly over. They dropped him a satellite phone. That allowed police to be in contact with them to find out if they had water they, and supplies. They dropped them water and supplies too. Yeah. First satellite phone so they could say, how are you guys doing and how many people and what's going on? And as we speak right now... Hey, before you even yeah, go there, yeah. have you got an EPIRB? Yes. I wouldn't, I wouldn't head into Central Australia without a satellite phone, a flying doctor radio and an EPIRB. I have an EPIRB, believe it or not. You do? Yeah. In, in my your boat. boat. Yeah, I course. do. And I only have a little boat too. Yep. little runabout, actually. Yep. best thing ever. How, how long would my run, runabout be? 14 uh, foot? Yeah. It's yeah. not big. It's only got, what, a 25 horsepower? Yep. Just enough to get us out of the water. <laughs> <laughs> actually, if Hunty's in the boat, it, it makes me feel very vulnerable. <laughs> um should should you go out into the desert without a satellite phone? If you if you're, if you're on a trip like that, now you, I'm asking you just so our listeners know, Hunty actually is a fairly experienced, well, very experienced four wheel driver. He's done Australia, been around. In fact, you've been right around Australia yeah, and across and up and down. I've, yeah, I've done it. Yeah. Would you go out into the desert if you're going on that sort of trip? Would you go without a satellite? I, I haven't phone? gone. I haven't gone bush without a satellite phone now for twenty plus years. And they work since they came out. Yeah, they work fantastic. Apparently. I was reading they can call out on the satellite phone, but people can't call in. Depends how you set it up. Yeah, well, that's how that one's set up anyway. Right. Yeah, and, you, and then you were giving us news. You're saying that right now what's happening? Yeah, the, the police organised a helicopter to go get them, yep. and that was a couple of hours ago. I would imagine that that chopper's landed now in Edmundada or somewhere and it's refuelling, and I would imagine they would probably be getting into it about now. Okay. Uh, and the, and the, they'll go back and get that four-wheel drive Yeah, when the, when the ground dries. <laughs> Locals are suggesting they get some strong winds and a couple of sunny days. That ground will dry pretty quickly. Is that climate change? I wonder. I don't know either. Yeah. I I think they do get um, floods out there. I'm not sure. This next story is climate change, though. Yes. Smog closes New Delhi. Now, I was going to ask you, because I don't know the answer to this question. Have you ever been to New Delhi in India? Yes. What did you find? Beautiful country, isn't it? I found found a tremendously painful culture shock. Oh, they... they're completely different than Aussies. Um, they play cricket better than us. Yeah, they a lot of, there's a lot of nice things. There's a lot of things they do really well. But I, seeing the, the, the face of the poor people. Of the poverty. and The poverty, that really kind of hit me hard. I've never been to India, but I hear that it's, it's kind of a, you know, there's very wealthy people in India and there can be quite a lot of poverty. But uh, India was one of the countries who didn't sign up to the, to the moratorium on coal. 
And it was interesting for me to notice that today they've had to school, they've had to close school for five days in New Delhi because mm. the smog is so bad. I remember back in the bad old days in Sydney when smog would get like that. They, they when c- we were young fellows, eh? Yeah, the, the, the term pea soup come from, from England because after the Industrial Revolution they had coal-fired power and steam engines. Yeah. When a lot of Europe was making its roads and getting its infrastructure built, they used a lot of coal. Mm-hmm. Um, I can even remember when, when California and Los Angeles was so polluted that you couldn't see a city block. Oh, me too. That was only in the 80s. Yeah, that wasn't long ago. It was an orangey-brown... Petrol I remember pollution. the first time I went to Europe, I couldn't see, I was in Germany, I don't mm. think I could see a kilometre into the distance. There's no doubt with the way they've uh, fixed up smog control on cars and things like that, our air has got cleaner. But Definitely. in New Delhi, they're suffering today. And I think any country in the world where you've got a, a concentration of huge numbers of people, it really does put a lot of pressure on the poor old earth. And they've just mm. finished the climate conference, of course, in... Um, mm. Yep. In Scotland, yep. Um, yep. where you've got a desperate attempt by mankind to try and save this planet. I don't know whether they can. In fact, I've got serious questions on that. Wow. I think it's not just the fact that the planet is being polluted by mankind. I think the planet's getting old too. The Bible actually says that, Hunty. It mm, says wax that, old. Yeah, it says the, mm. the earth will wax old like a garment. Yep. Um, I think it might be Isaiah or Jeremiah somewhere in the Old Testament where they're prophesying last days. Yeah, so God bless, God bless our New Delhi listeners. Or mm. we have New Delhi viewers. I don't know whether we have New Delhi listeners, but certainly on our television programs, we have New Delhi viewers. God bless you over there, and Indeed. be careful. Yep. Um, I, I I don't know whether you picked up, but you can buy, especially in New Zealand at the airport, <laughs> bottles of fresh air. <laughs> fresh air to breathe. Yeah, yeah crazy <laughs> stuff. Um, Australia Zoo in trouble, man. What a tragedy. Have you been to Australia Zoo? Yeah, oh, yeah. I was, I was there just after Steve Irwin died. I did the live cross with Barbara Walters. You did too, didn't you? Mm. Actually, you know what? Um, I'm a pretty much almost a Sunshine Coast local boy. Yep. It was one of the places, one of the first churches I ever had. I bought my first house on the Sunshine Coast. The place I actually, when I went up there, I thought I'm never going to leave this place. Sometimes <laughs> I wonder whether I ever should have. Nice, oh, man. If I could have spent as much time on the Sunshine Coast as I have in Sydney, I'll, I'll be a happy boy. But Australia Zoo, I've never been there. I, I think that the tragedy with Australia Zoo and them on the brink of financial disaster is kind of very synonymous with what's happening to a lot of businesses in Australia that have been closed due to the pandemic. I mean, I know their food bill at Australia Zoo is $8,000 a week for the animals. Oh, it was 80000 Was it 80000 80000 Wow. Not 8000 bro. That was 80000 a week. Wow. You were you didn't have your glasses on. Older than dirt. I better be careful there because I know for a fact after this program, Hunty's going to go back and check. Oh that. no, I'm essentially applying the next song. I'm going to go and check it. <laughs> well, I'm saying it's eighty thousand a week, and uh, with the borders closed, and more than that. Yep. I'm not, and I'm talking about the internal borders still closed. Mm, mm. I still can't get to Queensland to see my dad and mum. Yeah. Um, so if those borders close and then the external borders, a lot of people would go to Australia Zoo um, from overseas, especially the United States of America. It's a tragedy because that's really yes. a good family business. Iconic family yeah. business. So I hope, I hope, mm. God bless you, Australia Zoo, yep. and we hope you, you survive. And the good news story, do you know what that is? You didn't read it? What's the good news story? Oh, I'm asking you. Oh, you need to remind me. I'm still asleep. <laughs> 
The good news story, I might get into trouble for this. The good news story is that Australia beat New Zealand in the 2020 World Cup. Oh, that's the greatest, that's a great story. They didn't just beat them, they hammered them. But let's be, let's be gracious to our New Zealand cousins because there'll be many of them listening and I don't want to get into trouble. How how does the saying go? I support Australia and any team that beats New Zealand. I think the, I think it's the other way around. The Kiwis support New Zealand and oh, anyone who beats, beats Australia. Australia. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I think when you look at these stories, I mean, whether it's stuck in the Simpson Desert or smog closing Delhi, perhaps that's climate change. Who knows? Or you look at the financial pressure, not just Australia Zoo, but lots of businesses and even lots of our listeners are under at the moment, Hunty. Yeah. These things, I think, tell us that soon Jesus is coming. For sure. And how we pray for that. You're listening to the Aussie Pastor here on Faith FM. I can only imagine from Mercy Me. It's a good song, Hunty. Let's hear it. It will be like when I walk by your side I can only imagine what my eyes will see When your face is before me I can only imagine To my knees will I 
worship you. I can only imagine. That's mercy me. I can only imagine. Like that song, Hunty. It's <sighs> a ripper. Yeah, I like the um, I like the video of it too. It's a good one. Have you seen it? Uh, yeah, not for a while. Not for yeah. a long time. Nicholas Vaganis. Hey, mate. How are you? I'm right. Can you hear me? Yeah, we can hear you. Yeah, You're right. on. Good, mate. Good. I'm well, thank you. It's been a while since we've been able to catch up. Um, welcome to the program. Nicholas, you're an uh, accountant by trade, correct? Correct. But that's pretty wide. What do you actually do? What's your business? What do you do um, as you go to work every day? Well, that's a, a quite a broad question, but um, I do quite a few things. At the moment, as I'm waiting for you to listen to the beautiful music, I was doing a, uh, a, a, a super fun audit. Oh, okay. Um, completing that right at the moment. He says super fun audit. <laughs> yeah, so completing that for our good friend David. Okay, good, good. Yes. And, um, yeah, look, so if you listen to my wife, I'm a tax collector. <laughs> That's what she said the other day. And I went, are you kidding me? <laughs> you know, like, well, I'm in good company, Matthew, you know. The Apostle Matthew was good, you know. So, he was um, a tax collector, disciple. yeah. Hey, now, you, you've been in this job, you've been in accounting for a fair while, is that correct? Twenty-something uh, years now, yeah. Yeah, and you work for yourself? I do, I have my own practice. Sydney-based? Yes, in the city, CBD. Okay. So you'd be watching the financial uh, goings-on in the world pretty closely? That'd be a pretty important part of your job? Uh, not quite. Um, I, I, I do look at it because of, I'm interested in it, but my job's more in public accounting practising, you know, like yep. Uh, yep. it's not really worried about worldview. I'm just here to make sure what we do now is recorded correctly and um, uh, the tax office is not going to come and um, attack you and get you know take anything from you because no, we've got it right. No use the tax Sorry, office coming. But I'm interested in the worldview, yeah. Yeah, no use the tax office coming to me, mate. <laughs> Actually, I'm a pastor and I have been audited probably by the tax office four times in the last ten years. Wow. Actually, it's funny you said that because I, uh, of all my my clients, um, half of them that are pastors have been um, audited as well, which where others haven't. So it's interesting. That's very interesting. And then the church itself has come and audited my church three or four times too. So I don't know what that says, Nick, but <laughs> I'm, I'm the getting audited sort of king guy. Uh, well, look, I, I know you watch world events because I, you and I used to go to the same church and I used to talk to you about them a fair bit. What is your view of the condition, the current condition of the financial world today? Oh, mate, that's a big, big question. Um, it's to me, it's very obvious. It's the last days. To me, as an accountant, financial advisor, I I see uh, a lot of how things are going and where they're leading to. Um, the the just the the blowout of the uh, property prices, um, the uh, where it should not go, and it is. The, uh, the the spending that the people are just doing without money, um, we're going into uh, points. I'm, I'm getting I'm getting young people that are getting bankrupt because they've been using their credit card to pay things due to COVID, of course. Yeah, yeah. And they haven't been t- t- uh, keeping an eye on that that bill. 
So it's basically, it's easy to spend money that you don't have in your pocket. Yeah, yeah. So um, I've seen that. I've seen, uh, look, uh, I, can, I can tell you that we need to change a lot if we don't want to go to a, a pretty bad situation. Is hi- I've been hearing a lot of this word hyperinflation, which kind of reminds me of the Great Depression back in the 1920s, where a loaf of bread would go from being a dollar fifty, say, to a thousand dollars almost overnight. And and you're starting to hear this word hyperinflation on the news. And most of us guys who aren't into finance like you and that, it's, we're not really across it. Is is that idea of hyperinflation a genuine threat to the world? Look, hyperinflation, what it actually means is anything, if it goes, usually the standard benchmark is 50%. If the, if the inflation rate goes up above 50%, um, it's classed as hyperinflation. Uh, um, and usually hyperinflation comes about from, the, from, the, from, from what's happened before, um, hyperinflation comes about when uh, more money is printed out than there is actual physical cash or, or official gold uh, in the country. So we all know that your your currency, that dollar note, that you know, five dollar note, sorry, a twenty dollar note, is only legal tender because there's a, a whole lot of gold sitting in in, in some area that's that covers that um, uh, the value of that uh, those dollars. That's the, the idea of how it's happened, how notes happen. Your cash was held somewhere and you use a promissory note or a dollar note to, or, you know, some sort of a, a currency to pay for that and that was exchanged between the banks when you paid and bought from people. Mm-hmm. Now, um, we know, as you said, the Great Depression, we also further back, World War One. at the end of World War One, Germany started printing out money to pay off their mm-hmm. debts and the, to... to, to um, uh, you know, to uh, help them with what they thought was the inf- inflationary uh, levels of the time, and what it does is when you when you got when you're printing so much money, the valuation of that money drops. So people then become un, uh, not confident in that currency, and therefore, once that happens, the value of it drops and dies away. So when the value of it d- drops, then the value of, of produce of assets that you can buy with it increases. That's right. So, so is that a danger yeah. today? Uh, at the moment, it's not. Um, usually it's not in the in the developing countries. I mean, we've just had it, I can't remember now exactly, a few years back, uh, Zimbabwe uh, did the same thing. Um, uh, well, Venez- Venezuela, Venezuela went over the... It did as well, yeah. I, so I know the Zimbabwe one. And uh, yes, actually, you're right. I do remember that uh, the uh, Venezuela just like. And so, what they they try to do is uh, not good economics. Most developed countries won't do something like okay. that. Okay. Well, I'm glad to hear um, that. What about the financial world? Could it actually collapse, or is, is that something you don't see could happen? Oh, anything can happen. But um, in most cases, um, I mean, I was just reading an article in the Australian Financial Review. Uh, would have been a few, about a year or so ago, just in the middle of the pandemic, and um, they, they were saying the you know the uh, um, the uh, um, international monetary uh, fund is saying, of course, that you know the outlook is good. Don't worry about anything. Of course, they're going to say that because it's all part of uh, keeping a panic down. Uh, but there there is some. Um, Especially uh, lately, because of the lockdowns and, and and things like that around the world, where the 
the economy um, the production of things have just died away so it's it's all got to do with how they handle it but me being a christian of course believe believes yeah we're going downhill and it's it's not going downhill to be worried about uh, but going downhill that this is uh, may may be a way that the other forces can then bring about what we know about the end of time what about christians should they go into debt should they get mortgages should they go into debt for investments? <laughs> well, if you're a Christian, you believe we're at the end times? Yeah, because, you know, things finish <laughs> off. You don't have to pay back your debt. No worries about it. You know? But uh, I suggest them, if you're going to think that way, get your mortgage or get your uh, uh, debt, give it a right way to the poor and don't worry about it because they're not going to be able to get you. But, um, yeah, look, um, a little bit more serious. Uh, look, um we're told in the Bible that Jesus will come like a, th- a thief in the night. Yeah. We're told, told in the Bible that, you know, um, you won't be able to prepare for that. Yep. So, and we're also told in the Bible to go on living, you know, so we, we, look, right. we, know, that a, that we know that guys is coming, there's a second coming coming, but you live as if it's not coming. No, so you live as if it is coming, but you... But you uh, prepare yourself as if it's not coming. So you're saying, if, if that's what you're saying, you're saying debt is okay long as it's manageable? Absolutely. And, um, and you've, you've got to, to do anything, you've got to, you've got to um, have some debt this time, in, this, in these days. I'm actually quite amazed. Um, I'm watching people move into homes, young people, out in the area I live, and they're paying over a million dollars. And you've seen these young people go into these homes... And uh, you wonder what sort of jobs they've got and how they're able to afford it. Even even if you had a two or three hundred thousand dollar deposit, you're still looking at seven, eight hundred plus thousand dollar mortgages. It's it's got to be rough on people out there. That's for sure. Well, it's really interesting that you bring that point up, uh, Lloyd, because what's happening is the majority of people, not saying everybody, the majority, yeah. a lot of these young people are, are actually speculating. They're buying houses. They know that they've got a main residence exemption for capital gains. Yep. They're seeing how it's going up and up and up. Some of these young ones are quite intelligent, really smart. Yeah. Um, they understand that the way the market works, supply and demand, you know, they understand that, you know, the more, the less supply you have, the more demand's going to yep. be. So they're buying into these so they can just, they're trying to, uh, to sustain it to the point where it jumps from a million dollars to $1.8 million. Yeah. And then they can get that capital gain, the grey, and then they uh, they win. So it's speculation. It's just like share market speculation. Yeah. A lot of them are doing that, and that's a, another reason why the values are going so up now. The property values are going up because of this manipulation. Besides the overseas investors seeing Australia is really good with COVID and whatnot yeah, else, yeah, and yeah. they wanted to come. Yeah. Do, do you yeah. do you think it's good for someone to own a home, or, not, uh, or yeah. do you think it's not that important? Oh, look, I'm a Greek. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I grew grown up in a, in a in a culture that said get yourself a home. I had yeah. my first home when I was nineteen. My first apartment when I, I bought when I was nineteen. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I paid it off within ten years. I paid it off because that's what we do. So you asked me. I said, yeah. Look, it's good to have some kind of at this point security. But it's not going to be. It's not like you know, seeing what the world is happening. Um, 
if nothing happens to 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 you get your end of your life, it's good to have a home. At least yeah. you've got somewhere to stay. You know, you, you don't have to. Uh, no one's going to kick you out. You pay, yeah, as long as you can pay your rates and things like that. Yeah. So it's good to have a home. Yes. Um. Now I know you. you, you I know you're um an investor, or or yeah. you know about investments. As a Christian. If I'm investing on the stock market or into companies, etc., should I? Do you think I should look at what those companies do and and uh, whether they're moral companies or not, or do you think it, it, that sort of thing doesn't matter? Look, uh, uh, and I guess thing- I'm thinking even my super, even yeah. my super, Nick. Yeah. Well, one thing, one of the reasons why I didn't become a financial planner, yep, is because a financial planner looks at how to make more money and doesn't care what it is. Yeah. As a Christian, as in my investments, I do personally uh, look at uh, the investment I'm making and to see what sort of beneficial or what what uh, you know what it is. I do some research into it. No, not only oh, it's going to make me a lot of money because so you do, you do look at the moral value of oh, a company. I, absolutely, as a Christian, I have to. I can't not do. I mean, so if you saw a company that was morally bankrupt yet making good money. You'd avoid that company, even though it could make you a, a good dollar. Well, just uh, when was it? A few years back, uh, there was a um, there was a there was a brothel that listed. Yep, yep. And you could invest in that, you know. Yeah, I've yeah. had I've had some clients say, "Oh, let's start a brothel. You invest in it." So, of course, I wouldn't do that, and that's yep. because uh, I'm I'm making money on the hardship of others. Yeah. So I'd rather not. I don't really invest a lot in the share market because yeah. I still do believe the shares are a gamble. It's just like gambling. I, you know, if I invest in anything, I'll invest in, uh, as an example, I've just invested in, the, well, not just a few years now, in a company that did, uh, that developed new equipment for brain scans and for, okay. um, so I, 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 I re- invested in that company to give them capital so that they can get it, not really, not for the making of money. But, yeah, you, but yeah. you'd get some return. Ah, uh, uh, yes. Do you think? Do you think that yeah. generosity needs to be a part of the Christian experience? In other words, do you think it's a good idea to give? Huh. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. There's just too many. I mean, off the top of my head, I can think of 24 verses in the yep. Bible talking about the cheerful giver and God, you know, uh, the, uh, the giver, uh, at least uh, God will give prosperity to. Um, um, it, it just go to Malachi three ten. Give unto me my tithes and offerings, and I will, yeah. you know, I'll, I'll open up the uh, the the heavens. You know, have you been personally sort of, blessed by giving? Oh, absolutely. I don't. I I'm often shocked, and my wife shocked by how much money comes in, even though we give away so much money. Who who do you, I, what sort of what sort of things do you give to as a Christian? Uh, I'm I'm partial. I've got a couple of friends that do um, the orphanages, um, yep. so I help with the orphanages. Orphanages. Are these in Africa uh, or uh, uh, China? In Africa. Okay. Um, yep. yep. Here in Australia, the Salvation Army, I do. Uh, ADRA, of course. I absolutely uh, support ADRA. That's, um, a, that's a disaster relief agency, for those correct. of you who don't know. Uh, I think they, 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 they do development too, don't they? Like they'll they go do. into countries and 
they don't just give a man a fish, they give him a fishing net. In other words, they teach yeah. people how to do business. And, That's oh, right. Okay, well, I'm, I'm interested in that. What, what about, now you said you're not a financial advisor. I know you, you kind of get away from that term altogether. No. But yeah. what advice would you give a young person starting off? I'm not asking for financial advice as much as just general advice to someone who's young. Look, uh, as, a, as a, an accountant, as a, uh, not thinking about what's happening coming to the end, uh, to help someone uh, to get along the young people, I would, I would advise them to um, look at a small property or, 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 or some small in, um, uh, asset and learn the, the, um, learn the concept of uh, delayed gratification and uh, saving. Yeah, okay. What, what about no. old men like Hunty? Who are coming to uh, the end of life? Uh, I, don't, I don't advise hunting on anything <laughs> any too long. <laughs> he doesn't listen to anything. No, um, no, that's not true. I'm just joking, mate. <laughs> uh, um, look, uh, coming to the end of life, you really, you know, re- really, you need to be looking at uh, um, uh, what sort of lifestyle you you want to have, uh, what uh, what is important to you, and um, and look, at our age, at our age, um, there's not really much more you can do if you've decided to retire than to consolidate what you have. Um, if you've got a property or a house, you you, know, you might look at um, um, downsizing. You know, with the yeah. value, of the price is going up. You know, moving somewhere else. It it, it really is hard to, to to make money now. It's it's you've got a uh, the the it's really hard to make money now these days at the yeah. moment it's hard yeah. unless you play with the stock market and but there's high risk with high money there's high risks my um my little fella he's 15 and he's at school and they got one of these uh kind of fake stock market games you know how they teach them at school Mate, he's making thousands at the moment. <laughs> I feel like giving him $50 and saying, there you go, maybe that's how I can retire. Nick, it's a privilege and a pleasure to can have... Can I just say something about yeah, that, though? Yeah. Um, doing, doing the game yeah. is completely different than actually doing... Of course. I remember when I was back at uni, we yeah. had some guys that uh, were playing, you know, like fake playing, yeah, you know, yeah. the stock market. They went fantastic until they put money into it. Because <laughs> yep. it's your money yep. that you're losing. Yep. That's why that changes the dynamic. It's a privilege to have you uh, with us today, Nicholas. I hope um, we can see you out sometime at New Hope. We were looking for you to come with your good wife, and I hope to talk to her soon on this program too. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll give her a little nudge for you. Thank you, mate. God Thanks, bless you. If, if you can get time. <laughs> Thank you. Sir, mate. Nice to talk to you. Bye. 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 You're listening to the Aussie Pastor here on Faith FM. I believe you went to school with Nicholas. Yes, Nicholas and I did go to school and we did play that stock market game in economics and we made thousands. And he was the brighter one of the two. And then we made so much money, we all decided to put in $50 to do it for real. And we had blown that before the end of the school year. <laughs> and, 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 and he was the brighter one of the two. He was, he? sadly. I hate to admit that, but he was. <laughs> Lord, I lift your name on high by the Maranatha singers. I like this song, mate. Me too.
remember the first time I heard that song, Hunty. Really? I was a youth leader. No, I was the associate youth leader in New Zealand with a good mate of mine called Gervais. Yep. And we had it in the youth tent. We yep. had a thousand kids or more in that youth tent. Oh. And we were singing that song and it was just booming. That and it was would a go gra- off. It was a great time of worship. Hey, I, I enjoyed that interview with Nick. Yes. Nicholas. Nicholas is great value for sure. Gotta call him Nicholas. Yeah, his mum used to call him Nick uh, when he was in trouble. So you gotta call him Nicholas. Nicholas. Well, yeah. um, he's a good old bloke. He's a top bloke. Yeah, we had a lot of fun with him through yes. the years. And you know I what? Have. He gives, he gives really good advice to financial. He does. Even though he says he's not a financial advisor, yeah. he's very with he's it. Been, he knows he's what's been going around on. the traps for many years yeah. and knows what's going on indeed. Now ask the Aussie pastor. There are some absolutely monumentous questions for okay. you today. <laughs> Let's go, mate. Um, alrighty. Well, we start. Okay. This first one's very sad. Um, my son committed suicide 16 years ago. I guess this person wants to know, is he lost? That can plague a parent. It can. And the answer is, I don't know. Yeah, uh, it's, And the reason I say I don't know is whether your son or your daughter died of natural causes or whether that causes or whether they committed suicide or, or however they died, it's, it's not a human being's place. Correct. To make a judgment Correct. call on Correct. their salvation or not. But what I can say is this, and, and I think we need to rest in this truth when we're going through awful times like the loss of a child through suicide. Yep. God is merciful. Correct. And if you want to know what God is like, go and read Matthew, Mark, Luke and John and find out what yep. Jesus was like because he was God in human form on yep. earth. And he's the judge. And he is merciful. And, and, merciful. and your son or your daughter whether they've committed suicide or passed away from something else, they're in the hands of a merciful God. And, and often, often it's, um, it's a mental disease too that, that, that gets them to that position. It's just not for us to judge. Not for us to it judge. Really, it really, I mean, I'm not, I'm not even passing the ball there. I like to pass the ball on mm. to Hunty. But God is love. You know, that when we're, we're working, I love to pass the ball. Don't I love to? Many monkeys, monkeys have been yeah. thrown from your back to mine. I like yes. to take the monkey. But even That's on, right. you know, with this one, I wouldn't do that no. even, Hunty, because no. we, we, who are we? That's right. How can we judge? We cannot. Just put your faith in a merciful God and Correct. trust in him. Correct. He loves his children. And that's an important question. Thanks mm, for that. Thank you. Alrighty, next question. My church pastor told me, oh dear, that the King James Version of the Bible is the only correct version I can rely on. Is that true? No. I agree with you there, 100%. Yeah, no. I don't. God bless the pastor, but no. Um, there's a French Bible. There's a Spanish Bible. There's an Italian Bible. There's a Papua New Guinea Bible. There's a Swahili, Swahili, Swahili Bible. There's a Zulu Bible. NLT. And in the English, there's probably NIV. 20 or 30 different types yep. of Bibles. One of the things I like about the Bible is God's protected her, protected that yes. beautiful book. Yes. And you can go to a translation of the Bible and you can be sure that it is accurate, it is reliable, and you are safe. In fact, I'll go further, Hunty. Find a translation which is a modern translation so that you can read the Bible in your plain English. Yeah, beautiful. That's what God wants. Correct. And, the, you know, if you try to read the book of Hebrews in and say the dear old King James Version, which perhaps happens to be your version, Hunty. Um, I've gone to the new King James. Yeah, but you still love the KJV. I do because I learned it as a kid. But if you try, if you, if you try to understand the book of Hebrews in the KJV, no, then go to, a, go to a modern version. Correct. It's like... Colour TV to black. You remember Correct. black and white? It's like radio to colour TV. You remember TV. black and white TVs? Yeah. yeah. You remember when colour came in, how beautiful, beautiful. it was? Yeah. 
And they were washed out things, those old TVs were. <laughs> and I definitely need help understanding the Bible truths and give me the most explained, yeah, well, plain Bible Give possible. it in a modern translation. Be a bit careful of the paraphrases. Paraphrases translated by one man. One person, yeah. But the translations are translated by multiple translators across numbers of denominations mm. and religious movements, yep. and they're yep. safe as. I'll give yep. an example, Hunty. Say you're a Presbyterian. Yep. And I'm a Seventh-day Adventist. Yep. And we're both translators and we're working on a new version. And I come across a text on the Sabbath. Remember the seventh day to keep it holy. That's right. And I'll say, so I, I could have a bit of a bias there, and I say, and I write down, now you're the Presbyterian translator, I'm the Adventist. So I might, in my translations, write down, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy because Sunday is not the seventh day. And I might write. And, and what would you do if I did that? Well, well firstly, I might write. Well, no, no, no. Keep what, holy the Lord's day. What, what would you do if I did stay on, stay I'd focused? I would haul you up. You would I haul would me haul up. you up and go, hey, bud, that's not in the text. Yeah, that's not in the don't text. Don't put your spin on this. Yeah, don't put your spin on it. Yeah. And so I'd have to go back and translate that, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy, because that's all it's said there. That's why you have multiple translators working on one Correct. version. And yes. that's one of the reasons the translations are safe, but make no mistake, the big one is God's in this. It's his book. He's looked after it. So Correct. just open your Bible, any Bible, and read it and be blessed. Plus pray before you read and let the Lord speak to you. That's right. Yeah. Holy Spirit will come and open it for you. Thanks, Auntie. All right. That's a good question. All right, now this one, oh my goodness, every question's curly today. Um, in Matthew twenty-seven twenty-five, it talks about when the Jews cried out at Jesus' crucifixion, may his, as in Jesus, may his blood be upon us. Is the Jewish Holocaust a result of that cry? Okay, that's a very sensitive Ouch. question. That's very, and it is true that when Jesus was in Pilate's judgment hall and the Jews were crying out, crucify him, crucify him, and Pilate said, but I find no guilt in this man. And mm. they, they cried out, well, let his blood be upon us. Kind of called a curse down upon themselves. Um, the thing is that many people have used that sense to persecute the Jews, which is an awful thing. Mm. And it's um, unconscionable. And it's inexcusable. And I don't believe for one second that that had anything to do with what Hitler and the Nazis did to the Jews in World War II. Yeah. That was a horrendous, despicable, satanic uh, series of behaviours that killed six million people. There's no excuse. And to use that verse in that context, in my opinion, is anti-Semitic. Yeah. Sorry I, I'm so strong on that. But God himself makes it very clear. I think it's in Jeremiah or Isaiah. Again, one of those big Old Testament books. I'm just remembering where he says, I do not hold the sins of the parents against the children. So it's ridiculous that 4,000 years ago, some foolish Jews, and it was like probably only a handful, mm. cried out that, mm. and then to say that God brought a curse yeah, upon the, the entire yeah. Jewish race, and because of what they said 4,000 years ago, little babies and, and women and little girls and boys were, were put into the, 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 Horror camp. The, the gas chambers and then the... Um, the ovens of, of those awful death camps, yep. my goodness. As I say, inconscionable, not true, uh, and, and I wouldn't even go there. There you go. Mm. All right, moving on. What does it, oh dear, what does it mean in 1 Corinthians 14 when it says that women should remain silent in church? Does it mean, does it mean when it says they cannot teach or lead in prayer? Yeah, I think what that one's saying is Paul does say that. He says women should remain silent in church, and, and he also says, 
basically not leading out in teaching or prayer. Um, what's your answer to that, Hunty? Well, that's not how our church works. I'm asking you to answer that question. Well, look, I, I think that perhaps the culture of the time of Paul was different to our culture. That wouldn't fly in our culture. But it's what the Bible says. Does Jesus say it or does Paul say it? Paul says it. On behalf of Jesus? Well, he's an apostle and he's a prophet. So he's speaking for our Lord and Saviour. Well, I wouldn't want to say he isn't. Wow. I'm enjoying this. You've got me squirming, that's for sure. <laughs> I see our next guest, Pastor Harker, is laughing. <laughs> <laughs> look, there's, there's a few ways you can look at this text. I'm actually familiar with it. You could say, well, Paul's, Paul's just straight out saying women are to be silent in churches. And there's a, there's a, there's a number of Christians who believe that and practice it. Um, others would say, well, Paul had a specific problem with that church um, in Corinth with a small group of women, and he was basically saying because of their behaviour, uh, they would be better just to be quiet, sit down, and stay out of the church business. Um, I'd probably lean to that second one because there's other evidence, and I haven't got it off hand, but I could get it, where Paul talks about women in glowing terms. Mm-hmm. Um just trying to remember, leading the church. Um, and, and there were many women leaders in the church at that time, and they had quite a bit to say. Um, I remember one story where Paul met with the women down on the river and were in worship, and the women were definitely talking in that context. So I, I, I tend to think possibly he had a problem with some women in that so church. So that was a localised localized issue. Maybe, but I'm, I'm not going to go too heavy on it. That's one of those things where I'm going to say, well, when we get to heaven, I'd like to sort that out. Hey, Pastor Harold Harker, can you hear me? He can. I can hear you. Did you want to add to that? Perhaps you'd know more than I do on this one. I think you answered it pretty well. I think it was local, and I think what uh, Auntie says, culture has certainly changed, and... Uh, and Paul also says that it's neither male nor female. That's right. That's right. So uh, you put them both and you have to say, well, let's work how it works today and see what it does for us. Yeah. Okay, well, I think we'll leave that question okay. at that. I don't know whether the, right. the person who asked that question is going to be satisfied with that answer, Hunty, but oh. it's the best I can do. Well, I can say I'm glad this is Ask the Aussie Pastor. <laughs> All right. Do you like the way I, I reflected that question back onto you, though? I felt the heat. <laughs> All righty. Um, how old is the Earth? Oh, about 6,000 years old. That's, that's what I think. Uh, I, I don't know. I wasn't here when they created it. But if you go by the biblical genealogies, I'd say roughly about 6,000 years old. Definitely not millions. I'm a young earth. I believe in a young earth. Yep. And I believe that on the basis of scripture. Creation, yep. Yeah. So I'd say about 6,000 years old. Oh, this next question's a ripper. Who is the Antichrist? Well, some people would say, that's a good question, that one. It is. Pretty hard to answer in two seconds. Some people would say the Antichrist is a man who sets himself up against God at the end of time. Paul tends to indicate that the Antichrist was rising up in his time, so I think it's a system. I think it's a system that sets itself up against God, and I think um, things are going to come to a climax soon, and this Antichrist system will be revealed, and I think we might talk about that more in Bible studies here on this program in the not-too-distant future. Indeed. All righty. Hey, it's a question from our mate in WA, Yep, David Edgar. Hi, brother, Lloyd Grolland. When the woman was caught in the act, I think this is referring to the story. In John 8. Yeah, when um, yeah, John they, 8. they tried to set woman Jesus up. caught in adultery, yep. Mm. Uh, why wasn't the man brought together with the woman? Because I'm definitely sure they would have seen him there also. Probably because it was a setup. Yeah. 
she was, an ambush. She was possibly a prostitute. Some people yeah. think this was Mary Magdalene. Wow. Um, and uh, it was just a setup by the religious leaders to catch Jesus, and they weren't interested in dragging the man before the Sanhedrin, yeah. but they were yeah. very, very interested in dragging the woman and were prepared to sacrifice her to get to Jesus. Well, she couldn't have been in a safer place, my friend, than when they brought her to the feet of the Master Jesus Christ. It's a good story. but It is a good story. It was just their pro-men, anti-women culture. Right. Woman culture, yeah, anti-woman culture, yeah. All righty. This question's from Margaret. Uh, Pastor Lord, you've said that Mosaic Law's don't apply to us in today's world. Therefore, how does this relate to the eating of so-called unclean meats, etc., which I understand to be a mosaic law? Is it a sin to consume these things? And this is from Margaret C. Actually, I do think the mosaic laws apply to us today, to be honest. The principles apply. Does that make sense? Yep. I hope, I hope no one's out there thinking I said the mosaic laws don't apply. The principles apply big time. Yep. So... If someone commits adultery, we don't take them outside the city walls and stone them, but the principle that adultery is wrong is still there. Does that make sense? Indeed. So when you're talking about unclean meats, we are living in a time where science has proved that the biblical prohibitions on foods like pork and shellfish and other unclean meats are not only uh, good for your health, they are... Rooted mm. in good science. In good science, yeah. In good science. Yep. So I don't think it's an argument, that one. I think anyone who takes their health seriously is going to listen very carefully to what the Bible has to say about health and those clean and unclean meats simply because science backs that up. Yep. So if you want to live a long time, read the Bible, have a look at what it's got to say about clean and unclean meats and follow it because you're going to be healthier and you're going to be happier. Is it a sin to consume these things? Well... Look, again, the principle is there. Look after your body. Is it a sin for us to be as overweight as we are, hunty? Well, the principle is don't do it. Mm. Get out, exercise, get on a diet. Will there be weigh scales at the pearly gates? Probably not. Hope not. Hope not. Actually, yeah. it won't matter because we'll... We're we'll have new bodies, won't That's we? That's right. We'll yeah. change at the right. second coming. All right, we better move on. This is the last question from Alex. Why did the true church split and become the Roman Catholic Church? And what role does the Catholic Church and the Pope have in the prophecies this, in Revelation? I think you're reading the times? question we've already done. Well, 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 then we're done with the questions then. <laughs> All right. <laughs> we've done that one. Let me answer it real quick. Okay. Um, they split four, five hundred years. The Church of Rome and Apostolic Christianity split four or five hundred years after Jesus. And the reason they split is because one group wasn't prepared to take the Bible and the Bible alone, the other was. What's that got to do with prophecy? Well, hold this space, watch this space, listen in this space, because we're going to do some stuff on this in the next few weeks. You're listening to The Aussie Pastor, here on Faith FM. Another one of the songs I like to play a bit, Hunty, When yep. No One Stands Alone by Alison Krauss and the Cox family. Once I stood in the night with my head bowed low in the darkness 
song from when I was just a little fellow. We used to sing it, believe it or not, in church. Wow. Yeah. In in a program we used to call MVs. Missionary Volunteers? Harold, welcome Hi to there. the program. Do you remember MVs? Sure do. <laughs> I think when we were young fellas, that was, uh, we, uh, we, we'd go to Sabbath school, we'd go to church, and we'd usually have a church lunch, wouldn't we? Yes. And then we'd have an MV program, which was a youth program. Is that correct? Correct, and I even remember JMVs before the MVs. I think we lost something when we lost those programs, mate. You're right. Yeah, I really do. It's a sad thing. Hey, we're going to talk. Welcome to the program today. We're going to talk about a feisty young woman today, aren't we? Sure are. She was a great person. She was, Katrina Von Bora. Tell us about when she was born. Actually, have I said her name right? Katrina Von Bora? Katerina. Oh, Katerina. Yeah, I did, get, I did get that right, and then I got it wrong in practice. Katerina von Bora, where was she born? And, and tell us a bit about her parents. Were they successful? Were they poor? Were they peasants? Well, she was born in Saxony in Germany. Uh, there are two reports. One was in the little town of Pigau. The other was Lippendorf, uh, but it was Saxony, and her parents were not peasants, they were landed gentry. In other words, they were in the upper class. Okay. And it was time then that people either had their daughters who they were going to get married or they put them in into uh, nunneries to become nun. And they sent her to get 
educated all her life from when she was five into Benedictine cloisters and then a Sister Siam uh, monastery to get educated. So she was well educated and came from well to do parents. And she was educated by nuns. Am I getting that right? That's correct. Um, and she becomes a nun. Is that correct? Yes, she became a nun. Is that normal, like in those days where they, you just said they'd either get married or they'd become nuns? Is that the way it went? Well, uh, yes, it was respected. If they became a nun, that was respected. But otherwise, they would be married off to someone who would enhance the family's lineage and so on. Kind of just on a tangent here, but did many girls back then become nuns? Well, there were quite a number in the nunnery when Katerina was there. Okay. Now, how... Here she is, a young woman, and as I said at the beginning, she's feisty, this girl. I pick it up, and I haven't just picked it up in my um, study with you as we looked at it. I, I've read stories about it. She's feisty. Um, what did she think about the monastery, and what did she want? Well, she grew tired of the, the life there, and she, they would have got the message about the reform that Luther had started and they were sort of talking about that, and she was very into that, and that didn't go well in the, in the nunnery, and so she said, I think it's time we got out of the nunnery. Now, this is a mass escape, isn't it? Because there was a well, number of girls who wanted to go with her. Well, there were 12 of them, actually. Yep, yep. And she writes a letter and sends it out somehow to Martin Luther, can you help us get out? Why would she have chosen Luther? Well, he was the leader of the reform group in that area. He was in Wittenberg, yep. and the message gets there, and so he says, yes, we'll help them escape. So what happens? Well, Luther, in 1523, so she would have been about 24 years of age, Yep, he sent uh, a councilman who was a merchant and took to the nunnery fish for them and he had big barrels on the back of his cart. Yeah. He would have had a dozen barrels. Oh, they would have stunk too. They would yeah, have stunk. fish out. And can you imagine when the girls, these ladies come out, they're in their 20s, each one has to duck down and get in these fish barrels and he drives off with his horses and takes them out. This would be a good movie, I reckon. It would be, and can you imagine the stink of it? Oh yeah. So, so the the bottom line is they couldn't just walk out if they wanted to. They were, they had no. to stay there. So they Correct. escape in these fish barrels. Um, where did they end up? Well, they went back to Wittenberg, and Luther arranged for different pastors and different people to marry these young ladies. Yeah, but somehow Katerina didn't get uh, taken by the others. Good old Katarina, was she, uh, young Katarina, was she, was she beautiful? Do we know what she looked like? I don't know what she looked like. She must have been uh, at that age. She would yeah. have been good. Yeah, I think so too. Um, why didn't she take up any of these suitors? Because apparently a number of men came after her. Well, some of them were from the university in Wittenberg and uh, she was offered different ones, but they didn't appeal to her. Uh, no, she didn't take those. She's fussy. In other words, she's a fussy girl. She's just not going right. to. She's not going to take anyone. Well, um, what happens? What does she tell a fellow reformer and friend of hers, Nicholas von Amstoff? I found this very interesting. Well, she said, "I only want to marry one of two guys. 
and you're one. I'll marry you or I'll marry Martin Luther. <laughs> did Luther hear about this? You well, sure did. <laughs> Do uh, we know what his reaction was? Well, to start with, he wasn't too sure that this was it. In fact, Melanchthon, one of his uh, cohorts, had said, if you get married, it wouldn't be good for the Reformation. But he thought it would. Let me tell you this. He finally decides to get married. He said it would please his father. It would rile the Pope and cause the angels to laugh and the devils to weep. Fancy that. <laughs> Do you think he was in love when he married her? I don't think so. He was 41. And she was, what, 26? She was 26 by that time. So she's so a- she's in a couple of years waiting for someone and hadn't got married. And so I don't think it was love at first sight. How about Katerina? Did she love Martin? Well, I think it grew. I think this is a case where as they lived together, they sort of enhanced each other and appreciated each other and it grew to real, true love. Yeah, I think you're right. You read their story, it actually grew into a real, true, powerful love. Sure did. Um, And you pick it up in their marriage. But before we get to that, what special wedding gift did they get? I wouldn't mind. Get, I wouldn't mind of getting this for my own wedding present, Hunty. When I got married, what 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 was he given? It was the cloister that was part of the uh, uh, Augustinian cloister in Wittenberg. Wow! It's given to them, for, and it had all the rooms. Today, it's a museum. I'm pretty sure Martin would have liked that too. Taking oh, that yes. off the Pope and. <laughs> Taking and getting it for himself. Um, nicknames. Uh, what did Martin call her and why? And what did she call him? Well, I guess he called her Katarina sometime, but he called her the boss of Zeldorf. I don't know where Zeldorf was, but he called another one Morning Star of Wittenberg. And then listen to this one. He says, My Lord Katie. <laughs> <laughs> what did she call him? Well, she called him Sir Doctor all his all her life with him. Yeah, wouldn't you like that sort of respect? Oh, wow. he was a What's that? And <laughs> Sir Doctor, Sir Andrew. <laughs> um, what, what, was this marriage important to the Protestant Reformation? It sure was because it, it showed them that marriage was part of God's plan, and here are the leaders of the Reformation married, losing, uh, getting out of the priesthood getting married, and starting families. How many children did they have? I had, well, six children were born to this marriage, uh, but there was one who died when she was just eight months old, Magdalena, who died when she was 13, and that really upset Luther, and there were others there as well, and she had a miscarriage. So six kids were born here. Mm. I know that... Um, Madalena had a deep impact on Martin Luther. He he held her in his arms as she died. That's correct. And he struggled with that. Um, um, when Martin Luther eventually dies, what twenty years or more on? Yeah. How did Katerina survive? Katerina survive. Am I saying that right? Katerina. Katerina. Yeah. How did she survive? And did she get anything from his will? Well, there wasn't much from the will. There would have been this this monastery that was given to them, and without his salary, she doesn't have much. And so I guess it's very difficult for her, and she could only survive because Prince Frederick, the elector, the one who helped Luther and stood for him, 
he was able to give her some money. He was generous towards Katerina. And she was fleeing back and forth from wars in the local area and it was a difficult time for her after Martin Luther went. Well, the Black Plague would come yeah. through and they'd try and get to a small place and yeah. all of that. Yeah. So tell us about her fraught... Uh, well, tell us what how she died. What happened to her? Well, she was in Wittenberg until 1552, yep. and then the plague came again. Yep. And so all the staff and all the students are, of the university are going out to Torgau. And on the way, not far from where they were going, her horse, and she would have been in a horse and cart, yep. bolted, and she had to jump out of the, the wagon, and she jumped into a lake, and she was severely bruised, yep. and she... And she died because of these these uh, injuries that she got in this ride to Torgau. What did she say on her deathbed? Well, this is important. What would you say on your deathbed? She said, I will cling to my Lord Jesus Christ as a burr on the coat. Boy, I remember burrs as a kid. You get them and throw them at someone's jumper yeah, and they yeah. stick to it. And she said, I'll stick to Jesus like a burr on a coat. I'm not going to let go. Really good. Um, how old was she, do we know? Well, she would have been 53. Young. That's that. Today it's young, but it probably wasn't that young in her day. Is there anything in closing we can learn from Katerina's life? I think the fact that she chose the Bible, wanted to get out of the nunnery, into all the penances and things she would have been doing there, and to get into the relationship with Jesus Christ that really meant so much to her and she would have passed that on to her children as well. Yeah, it all really goes back to the Bible. I mean, week after week you're saying that, the Bible, the Bible, the Bible. And here you've got very important. a feisty young lady who's led, led a tremendous life with one of the greatest heroes of the Reformation and she's a Bible girl. Um, we're blessed. I look forward to talking to her one day, Harold. Amen. God That's bless great. you, mate. We'll see you next time. See you now. Bye then. You're listening to the Aussie Pastor here on Faith FM. Yes, very feisty young lady, that mm. one, Hunty. Mm. Yeah. Good song, this one. Bill yep. Ga- hey, we've got the Bill Gaither trio again. Love it. You know, so I keep bringing them back. Is that yeah. my age? Is that my generation? Am it's I- good music, mate. It's good stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's our generation, Love man. It. Uh, when I show my kids this sometimes, they're not as enamoured <laughs> with it as we are. <laughs> but it's a beautiful song. Yep. It's a great song. Yep. Jesus loves me. Bill Gaither trio. This is his brother, actually, who passed away. Oh, wow. Yeah, a few years back. They were very close, too. A good song. Jesus loves me This I know For the Bible told me so For the Bible Tells me so And Little ones To him
Bill Gaither Trio. Rodney Sylvester. Lloyd. It's been a long How time. You? How are you, mate? <laughs> I'm good. <laughs> I'm looking around this room. There's Rodney Sylvester, our guest, on one line. There's Hunty, and then there's me, and I think us three have known each other for longer than we want to remember. <laughs> it goes back to the well, me, the early 80s. I can tell you, we didn't go to the big men's store to buy our clothes back then. So. <laughs> Oh dear, looks like he's picked up on us, aren't he? Turn the the cameras off. (laughs) I told you these cameras were a bad idea, man, it's radio. (laughs) um, I'm glad we could get you on because you actually have a remarkable story and it's one worth hearing. Um, Tell us a bit about where you were born and brought up. Uh, I was born in Brisbane, spent all my schooling years here, Um, so... I suppose first 20-something years of my life was in Brisbane. Yeah, I think that's where I caught up with you. I was living in um, Everton Park and you were in Stafford. Yeah, we weren't far apart. We were really only yeah. a couple of streets apart. I think you were still at school when yeah. you came over from New Zealand and um, or came back from New yeah, Zealand. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And you, you were doing an apprenticeship as a boilermaker. Yeah, I was... Working for my dad, doing a boilermaker's pr- apprenticeship. Yeah, and, so and what, sort of, 
What sort of sports were you into? I'm, I'm trying to remember back. I remember motorcycles and is that... Oh, we had motorbikes or always had bikes. Water skiing, of course. That's yeah. where we sort of really gravitated to. But, oh, we did football. Yeah, yeah. Um, we were into four-wheel driving, if you remember. We did I a do. lot of off-road driving and modifying of vehicles. And <laughs> <laughs> I don't know whether you remember this, but... It, it, we used to go from time to time, you and me and your brother, and, and I think we might have been a few others, riding in the bush. Do you remember that? Yes. Do you remember yeah. that time I was riding one of your bikes and it caught on fire? <laughs> <laughs> and I dropped the bike and let it burn, and I think you were furious <laughs> because I should have put the fire out. <laughs> oh, hey, hey, Lloyd, can I ask a question? Yeah. Rod, were you involved in the putting of tractor tyres on an XC Falcon and taking it to Fraser Island? Was that you as well? Uh, no, no, not an XC Falcon. Uh, <laughs> I built my first beach buggy, which was a VW, in when I was 15. Wow. And that actually had the tyres. This is an interesting story. <laughs> interesting for us. Yeah. I had a mate who worked for the government garages, and he was a spray painter. And he painted the, the Queensland governor's Rolls Royce. And while it was in the gar- garages getting fixed up, they changed the tyres on it. And old, really old 50s Rolls Royces have got huge tyres on them. So I got the tyres off the Rolls Royce and stuck them on my V. I love it. Gold. <laughs> the Governor General's car. Yeah, that's right. So it had these enormous tyres on it, and that's how we went up the beach. Actually, you have been into four-wheel, something you and Hunty have in common. You've been in four-wheel driving all your life, really, haven't you? Pretty much so, yeah. My dad started when I was oh, very small, so, yeah. Fraser Island so. and you have a fairly uh, close affinity. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. A f- overall, well over 50 years we've been going to Fraser Island. I think the first time yeah. I ever went to Fraser Island was with your family. We went, we went up there. Right. Yep, yeah. up there at Christmas and stayed at Happy Valley or somewhere yeah, up there. that's and right. Had wonderful yeah. times. Yeah. Um, so you, so you're, you, you, you do lead a young your, – your youth was an action. You're into football, you're into motorcycles, you're into four-wheel drives. When you're 19, a huge event happened that changed your life. Can you tell us about that? Well, I fell out of a tree, broke my spine, and ended up a paraplegic. How long were you in hospital? Uh, January to the end of May, so probably five and a half months or so. Yeah, I thought it was the best part of six months. Now someone has a similar accident to you and they, they become a paraplegic, they're not in hospital as long, is that correct? Well... They could be, but they, they do things a little differently. In, in the 1980s, this was 1981, I was 19, as you yeah. said, they didn't do operations on your spine to actually try and correct anything. So you actually just laid in bed for, I always think I was in bed for 13 weeks. Mm. So more than half, well, just about half the time I was in hospital was laying in bed. Mm. These days they will operate, they wire up your spine wherever it's, broken yeah. or dislocated. So you're out of bed much quicker, which means your rehab can start much quicker and much earlier. Have they got to a point where they can, it, with accidents like yours, get people to walk again, or is that still technology beyond them? Uh, the real, I don't know if they've actually got a cure for it, that's for sure. Yeah, yeah. I think there's more uh, awareness with uh, paramedics these days and uh, the administration of some um, drugs on site before yeah. they shift you can help reduce some of the swelling, which may give you a little bit more movement. But, I no, they really haven't. 
It's still much of a muchness. Yes, it is. Yeah. So you're only 19. You're a young man, and as I said, you were, uh, I, I remember you guys were action men, you and your brother. Yeah. Um, how, how do you cope with this massive change? And it was a massive loss. Because, look, I, used to, I, I remember coming and seeing you, and in a lot of ways us young fellows were oblivious to what you faced. You know, even though we're living this somewhat with you, we're oblivious. You're 19, mate. How do you, how do you cope with that? Because it seemed to me from a distance, you just you, you cope really well, but... Is that the case, or was it stuff yeah, you had to guess, go through? Well, as a, on a whole, yes, I think I did cope as well as I could. Yeah. Yeah, it certainly is a big change. Um, you're never quite sure of what the future holds, and when you're laying in bed and all of a sudden you can't feel three-quarters of your body and it doesn't move, it's a big shock to the system. Yeah, yeah. Um, I suppose... I was in hospital in an open ward in those days. Lots of other people with a similar type of thing. So you sort of get encouragement from the others around you. Um, you see those who've probably a couple of months earlier had been in the bed and now they're up and getting about. So in some ways you look at them and think, oh, maybe it's not as, yeah. you know. But, yes, we didn't know what was going to be down the track, that's for sure. Yeah, yeah. Well, you didn't stop, that's for sure. <laughs> I remember. You did not stop. You ended up going to college for a year or so. Um, yeah. You enjoy that? Yeah, I did. Yeah. yeah. I, I yeah. remember you at college, and um, for our listeners, he was a bit of a man with the, with the girls, this fella. Oh, yeah, right. <laughs> you, know that. you know that's the truth <laughs> to Rodney Sylvester. I can, I can bring a few other guys on as witnesses to that. <laughs> and after college, though, you get into youth work, which, which yeah, is quite amazing. You, you end up being one of the conference youth leaders in South Queensland. Um, I did for a little while, yeah. I was, I was helping out in there. For a couple of years. Did you enjoy and, that? Uh, yeah, it was great. What sort of yeah. work were you doing? Um, mainly on the, the lower end of lower age groups, working with Pastor John Wells, who was looking after pathfinders and venturers and, and, and those sort of activities. He's a so great fellow too, isn't he? He'd be... Yeah, oh, look, Wells, he's a... Yes, he'd he'd probably be the icon of young people's... And I'm talking about the younger people's ministry in Australia for the last, what, 40 years or more. Yeah, and he's still going. Yeah, he is. And, and you know what? The kids still love him too. They do. Yeah. They do. Yeah. Yeah. But, I mean, I did work with your dad as well, so we, we did senior stuff as well. But I think some of the things I liked was that every weekend you go to a different church and you get to mix with the youth there. Um, so, yeah, that, that was... I enjoyed that quite a bit. Yeah. And... Um, you get married um, yeah. to very – now, I don't know your wife so well because you and me kind of our, – our boat's launched off in different directions. <laughs> we see each other from now and again and say good day, and you just pick up – Well, it's true um, because I shifted to Townsville. You were wherever you New went. Zealand, New Zealand, mate. <laughs> went yeah. back to New so, Zealand. <laughs> we couldn't have been further apart. <laughs> no. Um, you met your wife in Townsville? Yes, yeah, yeah, at the local church in Townsville. So how many yeah, years yeah. have you been married? Uh, 25, I think. Well done. Long time, Hansi. Yeah. <laughs> and how many kids and how old are they? I've uh, got two kids. Christy's 39. Oh, no. Whoa. Uh, Ryan's 35. And they've got kids? 
Five grandchildren. Yeah. How wow. does that feel, Grandpa? <laughs> it's good. <laughs> so your parents, who I knew when we were young fellas, they're great grandparents. Is that is that right? Huh? Yes. Yeah. yeah. They're great grandparents. Yes. Yeah. And uh, your kids yeah. have obviously left home and gone off and done their. Oh yes. Yeah. Well, yeah. Are they are they around Queensland still, or they? Yeah, moved? they're both in Brisbane. Okay, yes. so you guys are all still centred yeah. in Brisbane. Yes, we are. We we came back to Brisbane and um, we've been here for. 20 years now, nearly. So yeah. you, 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 you leave youth work. I know you were involved in church planning a bit too. Is, is that correct? You, you were a uh, lay member of some church that plans? That was when I came back to Brisbane, yes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But we, when I was in Townsville, I was also in youth work. Oh, okay. Um, were you a youth leader up there as well? I worked with John Wells again. He was oh. the youth director of Northern Australia. So you kind of followed him up there? No. No, oh. I, I was up there working... Um, and I got a, a uh, request to go and work. Well, it's funny because up there they don't have a budget for an assistant youth director, yeah. <laughs> but they've got a budget for a a youth secretary. Oh, so, here's me who's got no idea how to use a computer or anything like that. I get the job as the youth secretary in Maine. So <laughs> that, that was my official So you were, you're actually just a, an associate youth leader up there in reality? Oh, in a roundabout sort of a way, yes. And this is where you met your wife in youth work? Yes. Yeah, yeah. okay. Yeah. God's been good to you then, hasn't he? And you've, you've, you've done some Definitely. business since then too, is that, is that right? You, you finished... Oh, I started a, started a business, yeah. I started a business in Townsville. Yep. And then I got a... Um, a company that I did work for offered me a job in Sydney to come down and be a sales manager for them. Yep. So I thought I'd take the opportunity and Anna was also get some work down there and get some work experience in her field, which is IT. Yep. And we did that for four years. But it got to me. Oh, it is It is <laughs> and, hard going. Uh, it is actually hard going living in Sydney. Yeah, it, it was. We we came from Townsville straight to Sydney. Yeah, you know, of course that's a bit of a culture shock. Where did you live down here? At Riverston. Oh, yeah, that's our territory, mate. Yeah, yeah. yeah okay. We lived on a on a uh, ten acre farm at 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 the end of McCulloch Street of yeah? Riverston. Yeah, okay. Not far from where we are right now. That's right. Yeah. Okay. So you were here for four yeah. years, and you went home. We we came back to to Brisbane. Yeah. Well, both our kids were in Brisbane. And so we decided to come back here. And what yeah. business are you into? What do you do? Um, I run a small business making off-road wheelchairs. Okay. So nice. we modify segways, you know, the yeah, yeah, self-balancing yeah. things. Yep, yep. And we put seats on them and uh, we use them for accessing the beach or the bush or, you know. So basically like you could be a para and you could paraplegic and you could go anywhere on the beach. Is that how that works? Yeah. Absolutely, and they work. Yeah, fantastic. Yeah. Okay, I can oh, imagine. Yeah, they're great. I can imagine that'd suit you down to the ground. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah they, they work really, really well. Yeah, it's surprising. It's very difficult to to um, imagine that two wheels is all you require to go over the sand. You know, yeah, it, yeah. It's, it's just strange to have something balancing underneath you. So people are a little bit tentative to start with but once they can feel that this thing is rock solid it's not falling over yeah it's surprising where they'll go yes okay so you still go to fraser do you or is that a yep. thing of the, okay 
Yes, we go regularly. Yeah, beautiful spot up there too. Hey, look, I really enjoyed talking to you, Rodney. I, I, actually, we must catch up sometime. Um, tell me, though, I want to ask you just a couple of quick things to, to finish off. What impact has God had in your life and how has that helped you? Because to me, I look at the challenges you've had and the life you've had. You And I know you don't like this and you never have either. But you're a remarkable fella and you've had a remarkable life and you've yeah. made a real difference. Yeah. And what impact has God had in your life and how has he helped you? Um, I suppose God's always been there. It's not something that I have needed to grow my um, relationship with him just because I was in a chair. That yeah. relationship was already there. Yeah, that's true. And when this happened, it was just a natural thing to rely on his his help and his, his comfort. Yeah. Um, and I think God sort of helps in ways of providing you with a great family. Yeah, and you have got a good family. Yeah, tremendous family. Yeah. A great bunch of friends when I was only a teenager. Yeah. You and all your family yeah. and, and all our mates. Yep. I mean, come Friday nights at the hospital, mm. when I was in hospital, mm, mm. I had more people visiting yeah, me. Yeah, I remember. <laughs> than what the total ward had. And so People have no been room. looking at you as though you were some superstar. I know. There was no room around the bed, so yeah. my visitors would go and visit with other people. Yeah. So, I mean, that was a, a, a testimony in itself. Yeah. And um, I guess the fact that I've survived another 40 years <laughs> is something that I can... Life goes fast, that. doesn't it? Yeah, it fast does. Fast guys, you know. Yeah. Yeah, um, so God's just kept me going. I think he's he's, he's been a constant. Um, I, it's 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 not probably nice to say he's been in the background, but he has. Yeah. He's been there, yeah, pushing me along the whole way. Yeah, I understand. Rather than you know pulling me along by the nose, he's yeah. behind you, giving you a shove. Yes, do this, do that, and, and yeah. away you go. Yeah. What advice? Final question. What advice would you have for people, especially young people? who face sudden and traumatic events in their lives. Because, it, I mean, yours was a challenging, but it's not the only one, is it? There's a lot of things can happen to you which can change your life almost instantly. Yeah, what advice? Yeah, well, it doesn't have to be an injury. No. It can be a relationship breakdown. It can yeah. be a whole lot of different things That's that right. can really, really help uh, do that. Um, uh, I guess what advice would I give? I guess you've got to true, stay true to yourself. Yeah. Um, and I, I do take it, I guess, one day at a time. Yeah. There is going to be some tremendous frustrations. There's no doubt about that. Mm. And I get cranky sometimes. I, you know, I curse the fact that I'm like this. But you know, you you sort of get over those things in your yeah. head, and you you do that. You know, I've had plenty of of people try and do the miracle healing on me, mm. you know, and, and get over it sort of thing and, and, and do that. But, you know, I think that, that the healing has been to accept what it is yeah. that I've got, that, I've, that yeah. I'm facing, and I think that's probably the challenge that most people would have to do is to face it. You can't run away from it. You can't deny it. If something happens, you've got to just deal with it. Trust God that will pull you through it and give you the support that, that you require. Well, as I said, you, ha- you have had a remarkable life. You ought to write a book, actually. Your, um, your <laughs> life had a massive, your, your can-do attitude and your ability to see God and, and see the future in the troubles actually changed my life. I am deeply grateful to you, Rod, for what um, 
you showed me in the early 80s. Oh, well, that's very nice. Thank mm-hmm. you. Uh, well, it's good. Well, let's not pat him on the back too much. <laughs> I'll show you my we, we, we appreciate him, but we don't want him to leave here, you know. Yeah, that's the response I, I expected. <laughs> uh, you're a good bloke and I miss well, you, mate. I mean, I'm, I'm lucky to be alive. And yeah. I'm even lucky, more lucky to be alive after being friends with you for so long. So. <laughs> yeah, that's the remarkable bit. <laughs> Actually, it's a wonder you didn't throttle us through the years, to be honest. <laughs> what I didn't bring out is he's been a very patient man with us guys. <laughs> Rodney, in, in a sense, you were the older statesman of our group, weren't you? you were, uh, yeah, I think I was yeah. a year older than you guys. Yeah. And, um you were you actually were the leader of that group, at, and we used to follow and, uh, you around a bit. And But we had a good did, time. Yeah, but I certainly got pushed around a lot by you guys, and um, <laughs> if there was any flight of stairs in the, in the vicinity, it was always fun to give me a shove at the top and see what happens when you get to the bottom. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't. Let's not get into too many of those stories. <laughs> I'm not no, sure. I don't want to wreck your reputation. Yeah, that's that's sure. right. I'm not sure. I'm not sure everyone would understand. <laughs> anyway, God bless you. Say day to your dad and mum and, and brother and sister and wish you all the best, Rodney. Thanks, Lord. Thanks, Thanks for coming on. Great to talk with you. Thanks, yeah. mate. Bye-bye. See ya. Yeah, mate. Bye-bye. You're listening to the Aussie Pastor here on Faith FM. Uh, he's a good guy. He's a top bloke. We had a lot of good times with him through the years. Yes. Man, do we have good times. Just yes. reminding me as I'm listening to him what fun we had. And he, you know what? He has such a sense of adventure. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, and we used to do all sorts of things, but uh, God is good. Uh, this next song, I'm going to let you introduce it because, yes. you know what, this is the fourth week in a row yes. we've had a song from this group. We love Faith First, and they're singing this next song, and it's called My Place Is With You. What
Group Hunty, Faith First. Yeah, love those guys. Yeah. Yep. Wonder whether they'll ever come back to Australia. They want to come. We could make that happen. You could. It just costs a few airfares and some hotel accommodation. We could make it happen. $100,000 later. Yeah, probably. I <laughs> <laughs> want to talk to you today in our Bible study about the secret rapture. And this is the beginning of a little series we're going to do, Hunty. Yep. Uh, on the second coming. I'm going to go and do some stuff. Now, you might think you know the subject of the second coming. I think over the next few weeks on this radio program, you're going to see some very surprising things. But I want to talk about the secret rapture. Do you know what it is? Yes. How do you understand the secret rapture? Um, For me, from what I've seen, and I get that a lot from Hollywood, is people are driving in the car and all of a sudden the car's empty with carless people flying a plane, and all of a sudden the pilot's taken away to heaven or wherever. And people just vanish off the planet. Is that it? Is that about your... That's my full extent of a secret rapture. Really? You yeah. don't know any theology around no, that at all? No, I've, I've read the text, but, ah, but... Well, there's not any text, mate. You're not going to find too many Bible texts on the no, secret rapture. No, but I've, I've, I've read the, the churches well, that, that teach this. The idea is this, and it is a Protestant doctrine, and it is pretty widespread in Protestantism today, but the truth is it's probably only been around for about 170, 180 years. Yep. So it's a fairly new doctrine. Uh, in fact, the Adventist church, which I belong to, is a new church, a fairly new church. Yep. Do you know how old the Adventist church is? I do. How? Somewhere late 1800s, so we're, what, 150 years? It's 158 years old. There you go. It was incorporated in 1863. Well, at the same time the Adventist church was incorporated, this doctrine the secret rapture is getting a go on. Now, I'll tell you what it is. It's the idea that, People who love Christ are raptured to heaven secretly. So it's exactly as you said. Mm. One minute you're here, the next minute you're gone. Yep. There's no visible coming of Jesus. You just disappear. So say you are saved and I'm not. We could be doing this radio program. Yep. And then all of a sudden you're just gone. Gone. That's why it's called the secret rapture. Yep. Once you go and you go to heaven, then most will say that an antichrist, and we talked about the antichrist in the questions a little earlier today, the antichrist will arise in the world as a single person and they will reign for seven years. And then Christ will come back after seven years, defeat the antichrist and establish a millennium, a 1,000-year rule here on the earth. Is that seven years in the Bible? Uh, I would say that the rapture's not in the Bible. Yeah. Okay. But you've, you've flushed me out, mate, oh. before I was ready. Oops. <laughs> <laughs> but stay with me. And I know this, we've probably got a lot of listeners who believe in the secret rapture. Well, follow this with me because I think you're going to find it interesting. Um, 
Where did the secret rapture start? Well, there were two Jesuit priests in South America, Lacunza and Ribera, who started down the road of the idea of a secret rapture. I don't want to go into them too much. But at the same time as these two, or just after it, they actually wrote books. In Scotland, there was a group of people called the Plymouth Brethren. Have you ever heard of them? I have. Yeah, the Plymouth Brethren. Mm. And they are the ones that the secret rapture actually comes from. It's an interesting story, Hunty. There's this 15-year-old girl in Scotland. I'll make sure I get her name right here. Her name is Margaret MacDonald. And this secret rapture concept idea is starting to get a hold in the mind of a pastor, very prominent evangelical Protestant pastor called John Darby. You ever heard of John Darby? No. That name doesn't ring a bell? No. Well, he lives from 1800 to 1882. And he's having a conference where they're talking about, in Scotland, where they're talking about prophecy. Watch this. This is, how, this is seriously how this doctrine gets going. Yep. They're having a conference talking about Bible prophecy and some of the big players in the world at that time were at this Bible conference. And this young 15-year-old girl, Margaret MacDonald, has a vision. And without going into it too much, she has a vision that reinterprets and puts forward the idea of this secret rapture that these two Jesuit priests who Darby had been reading, Lacunza and Ribera, had been speaking. You with me? Or yep, I lost I'm you? with you. Yep. So she has a prophetic vision where she falls into a trance. Mm. And in this vision, she sees the secret rapture and she comes out of the trance and people are watching her. Seems like she was in a trance that she did have some sort of vision. She comes out of the trance, she comes out of the vision and she begins to talk about this secret rapture. And, of course, John Darby, who'd been reading Laconza and Ribera, when he hears this young girl and they're at this prophetic conference, he goes, wow, and he grabs it. He grabs that doctrine, that theology I talked about, aren't he? Yep. Well, there was another guy by the name of Cyrus Schofield. He lives from 1843 to 1921. I bet you've heard of this guy. Name ring a bell? Schofield, other than the suburb that, that we live, <laughs> live in. in. Yeah. yeah. Cyrus Schofield wrote or compiled the Schofield Bible. Ah. You've heard of that, haven't you? That indeed. So Cyrus Schofield is a friend of John Darby, a lot younger than John Darby, by the way, and he takes this secret rapture doctrine, follow me now, hunting, yep. and he puts it in the Schofield Bible uh-huh. study notes. Uh-huh. You got that? Right. This Schofield Bible went all over North America, all over the Protestant world. So people buy the Bible of the day, the Schofield Bible. They go to the back where the study notes are. By the way, I'd love to have a Bible with Lloyd Grolleman's study notes in it. I really would. You should make one. Yeah, I'd love it. Because what happens is people can buy the Bible then they can read the notes and they can compare the notes with the Bible. Yep. Well, that's what they're doing. But they, this is how the secret rapture doctrine exploded. Right. You with me? Does that talk about men and a men and one man in a field and that's one of the Bible texts they use. Ah, okay. Yeah. Okay. But it, it doesn't work. Not in the Schofield Bible. Look, you could, the Schofield Bible is just a normal KJV Bible. Okay. But the notes at the end of it had this, had this, uh, secret rapture in it. Yep. So before we go any further, I want to kind of put the secret rapture to bed with a couple of Bible texts. All right. Okay. And then next week we're going to go on further because we're going to run out of time today. So what happens? How does, Jesus come. Well, I want to start with John 14, 1 to 3, text you know well, Hunty. Yeah, I love this text. 
Do not let your hearts be troubled. By the way, this is Jesus talking to his disciples. Oh, cool. Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I'm going. So Jesus said to his disciples, I'm going to go back to heaven, and I'm going to make a place for you. And I'm going to, now here's the promise, Hunty. Yes. He says, I'm going to then come back, back and get you. Get you. Yep. You take got you that? to be where you, I am. Now Jesus gives a whole lot of signs yep. that tell us he is almost back. We've looked at that in previous radio programs. You can find them in Matthew 24, Luke 21. What does he say in verse 28 of Luke 21 about these signs? When these things begin to take place, stand up and lift up your heads because your redemption is drawing near. So Jesus says, I'm going away to build something for you yep. and I'm coming back to get you. Yep. But before I come back, I'm going to give you signs. You know what they are, earthquakes, floods, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, all mm-hmm. awful things, climate change, all the awful things we've seen happening in the world today yep. are signs that the world is coming to an end and Jesus is coming. So he says, I'm coming back to get you, and there's going to be signs that will tell you that I'm almost here. I reckon that's where we are, hunty. Yes. And then he says, this is what will happen when I come back to get you. Matthew 24, 30, 31. Then will appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven. And then all the peoples of the earth will mourn when they see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. And he will send his angels with a loud trumpet call and they will gather his elect from the four winds from one end of the heavens to the other. So when Jesus comes, the whole world will see him. Yep. There'll be mourning. There'll be people who are happy. There'll be trumpet calls. There'll be angels from one end of the sky to the other. This is a very, very visible event, Hunty. Mm. Yep, yep. This yep. is not a secret rapture. True. You can't have a secret rapture where people just disappear and have it working with these texts in the Bible about Jesus' second coming. Mm. This is big. This is noisy. This is visible. Everyone sees it. Can you see that, Hunty? Yep, totally. Nothing secret about this. Bible doesn't talk about a secret rapture. Not anywhere. Now look at this, Revelation Chapter 1, verse 7. And this is important, and we'll finish on this one today. Look, he's coming with the clouds, and every eye will see okay, him. Okay, that'll do. Look, he's what? Coming with the clouds. That's Matthew 24, 30, 31. We've already seen that. He's coming yep. in the clouds. And, and how many see him? Every eye will see him. Even yep. those who pierced him. Every 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 eye will see him, yep. Hunter. Yep, yep. Everyone will see him. Yep. Um, you can't miss it. If you're alive when Jesus comes, you will see him. There is no secret rapture. You can guarantee it's a visible, highly visible event.
from above into God's family divine. Justified fully through Calvary's love, oh what a standing is mine. And the transaction so quickly was made when as a sinner I came. Took of the offer of grace he did proffer, he saved me all praise his dear name. Certainly. And it's going to be some event. I tell you, it's going to shake the world to its very foundations when he comes. And you want to be ready. It's a simple thing. Absolutely. Ask Jesus into your heart. You repent. Yep. You ask him to be your Lord and Savior. And you'll be ready. The Holy Spirit will come. You will be ready by grace. He's waiting for you to ask. By grace, you'll be ready. Now, Hunty. Yes. Um. This is the beginning of a series. We're going to go into Matthew 25 next week, and we'll look at three things in that fantastic chapter. But yep. maybe we've, and I hope we've encouraged you a little here to go searching. If you wanted to know more about what we're talking today, yes. I'm talking second coming, end yes. time events, yes. where would you go? What can they do, Hunty? Look, we've, um, we've prepared a great little uh, Bible study series to give you hope and meaning in your life, and it's based around Revelation. And uh, we'd like to send it to you totally for free. If if you text us, offer 302. So text us the words offer 302 to our number, which is 0488-880-851. Or you email offer 302 to info at com. We will send you back this online Bible study course, which digs really deep into Revelation. It'll help you prepare 
for end times and understand what's going on in the world today. It's a great series, and we'd love to send it to you, no strings attached, for free. It's a brand new series, actually. It is a brand one. new series. Yeah, if you, yep. if you, I encourage you to connect up yep. too, but yep. you get into this series, you'll be doing it just about before anybody else ever has. Brand new. Yeah, looking forward to that. Yep. I think I'll pray. Very good. Dear Father in heaven, we thank you for being with us today. Thank you for the lives of uh, Rod, mm. Katarina Von Bora, Luther, um, and Lord for Nicholas who came on board and shared with us some financial advice. And I just pray you'll be with our listeners now that you'll bless them and that, Father, they will have an experience with you that is real and is strong and that brings them peace. This is my prayer in your name. Amen. Amen. Well, my name's Lloyd Grolleman and I'm the Aussie Pastor. And my name's Hunty and we love you. But you know what, Hunty? What's that? Jesus loves. Loves you so much more. He loves us all so, so much more. He loves you so much more. Indeed. See you next time. Yeah, we look forward to hearing and seeing you next time. God bless. Thanks for joining the Aussie Pastor. If you enjoyed today's program and would like to find out more about Jesus, our ministry, or ways to support us, go to findjesus.tv. 